0: My name is Andrew Tate, and this is Season 2, Episode 14 of Let's Not Meet, a true horror podcast. These events took place in spring of 2014. My friends Sarah and Tricia had finally agreed to come camping with me. The problem is, none of us were experienced in surviving the wilderness, but that didn't stop us. We packed up our gear, loaded up on food, alcohol, and made our way to the location. When we arrived at the spot that Sarah had googled, we realized that we would have to hike for a while in order to find a suitable spot to set up camp. We hiked for some time before reaching a clearing. We set up camp, started a fire, and opened a bottle of tequila. After some drinking and a few blunts being passed between us, I decided that it was time to start prepping for dinner, so I left Sarah and Trisha by the fire as I was separating our dinner. As I was busy preparing food... I realized that a man was approaching the camp. Hey there, he said with a thick Irish accent. I was caught off guard as I was not really expecting to see anyone, but nonetheless, he did seem friendly, so I replied. Oh, hi. I didn't even notice you. You been there for a while? Yeah, for a bit. What are you cooking there? He said, gesturing to me. I invited him to join us because I'm not rude, and like I said, he seemed like a nice guy. So we walked over to the fire, where I introduced him to Sarah and Trisha, who seem extremely unimpressed about our new guest. After eating dinner, we kept drinking, but during this time it was becoming very clear that our guest had really taken a liking to me. He kept trying to move closer to me, and was paying very little attention to my friends. He was only speaking and focused on me while drinking his bottle of whiskey. That's when things took a turn and his conversation started to become more sexual. He leaned over and grabbed the back of my neck and said, Come on baby, let's get rid of these two fucking bitches and you can come to bed with me. Before I could even react, Trisha was already right behind him, trying her best to get him away from me while screaming like a banshee. I can't remember what she was saying, but she was inventing her own swear words amongst threats and insults. It worked, and he let go of my neck, took a step back, looked at Tricia, and gave us the most sinister smile that I'd ever seen. It's something that I can't really describe except for the fact that he had a beautiful smile and perfect teeth, but something about it combined with the look in his eyes gave me goosebumps just typing this out. He slowly starts walking away from our camp while laughing. I was absolutely petrified, but decided to quickly tidy up before hiding in my tent. I was originally meant to sleep in my own tent while the other two girls shared one. After what had happened, though... We all huddled in my tent together. Everything had been quiet for a while, with the exception of Trisha's snoring, and I was about to fall asleep when I heard twigs crunching and the sound of footsteps fast approaching us. I laid still, holding my breath, completely immobilized by fear, until I heard my tent being opened and Sarah letting out a scream so loud that it even jolted the Irish psycho back a few steps. Trisha had been woken by this stage and we were all standing outside the tent, Sarah and Trisha yelling, and I'm fumbling with my phone trying to call the police when he hits Trisha right in the face. I dropped everything and yelled, Run! Fucking leave everything now! I held Trisha's arm and didn't look back. Important to note that we only had socks on, running through the woods at night, with a psycho chasing us. I ran until I tripped over a log and smashed my chin down on the ground pretty hard, and that's where the three of us stayed hidden low to the ground for a few hours. But it was still pitch black. When we felt safe enough, we walked back to the camp to find everything destroyed. Both Sarah and Trisha had their weed and alcohol stolen, but my whole backpack was gone and my phone was smashed to pieces. I thank my lucky stars that I had no documents in there that could fully identify me. We didn't want to waste any more time and ran back to the car as fast as possible, occasionally injuring ourselves on the way as we could barely see anything ahead. We get to the car and I'm trying to start the engine, which is doing that sound that it makes when it's about to completely die. That's when we see him come out of the bushes and start heading towards the car, laughing. We are all hysterically screaming, but I hear him say that he's done something to my car, so I won't be able to start it. In a frenzy, I I don't know what I did, but I managed to get the engine started and floored the accelerator so hard that my car did a mini-jump and took off down the road, leaving him behind in the dust. I drove like an absolute maniac until we reached the next town only to discover that my car had been leaking oil the whole way back besides whatever damage had been done by that psycho. We were eventually picked up by Trisha's dad who took us to the police station to file a police report and then to the hospital to get her jaw x-rayed. It was broken in two places. They never caught him. So I'm a teenager, male, and last year, the story starts when I was leaving school with my earbuds in and my school bags with me. I go to a fencing club at my school. I do saber. But it starts around two hours after school, so I go into town and buy something to eat. I was coming close to Subway when I noticed a guy walking down the street towards me. It immediately set off alarm bells. He looked unhappy until he saw me, then beamed at me and showed me his black teeth and then rubbed his crotch. I thought he was being weird or just making a really unfunny joke. He had a dirty blue jacket on with torn jeans that were definitely not torn for style. I walked past him and kept going. I looked behind me and sure enough, this dude was following me. I thought I might have been just being paranoid, so I tried a few things just to check. Firstly, I stopped in front of a shop window and pretended to tie my laces. I saw in the window that he stopped as well and began looking at his phone, but I could tell that he was on the camera. He kept using his fingers to adjust the zoom and kept moving the position of the phone. All while staring at it really hard. I next pulled a pound coin out of my pocket and walked up to an elderly couple and asked them if they had dropped it. I tried to stall for as long as possible, and he stopped and began messing with his phone camera again. I knew for sure he was following me now, and I had a stroke of genius. My best friend's mom works at an extremely high-end women's jewelry shop, one that you have to get invited to to enter and the cheapest things around are about $4,000. This was important because there was a 24-7 security guard stationed there who knew me because I was always with my friend and we had to walk past him to get to the train station to go home every day. It was only a two-minute walk away, but I could get there a lot faster if I just picked up the pace. I disguised my sudden burst in speed as me just walking in time with the music, nodding my head and hitting my thighs to an imaginary beat. He sped up as well. But it would look suspicious if he went as fast as I did, so it seemed that he hung back just a bit. I got to the place and told the security guard that I needed to talk to my friend's mom and warned him about the stalker and why I wanted to see her. He let me in and I talked to her. She said I could stay there for as long as I needed, just to be sure that I was safe. I watched through the window as the stalker approached the shop and tried to walk in the door. The security guard doesn't unlock the door and just asks him what he's doing. My friend's mom radios the security guard quietly and tells him that this is the guy I was talking about. The security guard told him to go away. The stalker refused. The security guard repeats himself more aggressively and gets the same response. The security guard steps forward and says in the most aggressive tone that he can muster, leave now before I floor you and knock out all of your teeth into that conveniently placed drain. Stalker looks back and sees the security guard's not bullshitting and there actually is a drain there. He obviously thought it wasn't worth the risk, so he left. I stayed for an hour. And then left myself. When I got back to my school, I saw the dude following me again. So I got into my school grounds to see if he would follow me. And he did. He still followed me onto the school grounds. I pulled my saber out of my bag. He began saying that he wasn't going to hurt me, that he just wanted to talk to me. He thought I was super handsome and wanted to be my boyfriend. This dude looked to be 30-ish. I shut him down and told him to fuck off. He didn't. By this point, I think he knew I wasn't going to come and that I wouldn't come without a fight. But he must have thought I was scared to use the saber because he began hurling insults at me. I stepped forward with my sword, and he backed off. Because the sports hall overlooks the car park, my coach saw me in the entrance. The car park is right next to it. He saw me with my sword drawn at a random stranger. He ran out with his own to parry me if I tried to hurt the dude because he probably thought I was doing something dumb and there wasn't a reason for it. He yelled at me to explain myself and I told him what happened. The creep insisted that it was wrong, but I contacted my friend's mom and she verified the story. He took off, and I haven't seen him since. I feel like it was just blind luck that led me to safety. But I'm glad. I was watching my daughter's kids while she and her husband went out of town. They have a teenage daughter. I'll just say that her name is Alyssa. At about 3 a.m., I was woken up by a weird sound. It was a rustling sound. I look out the window and see movement. I saw a boy emerge from the bushes on the side of the house. I saw a bike tossed on the lawn that definitely wasn't ours. My first thought was that it was a burglar casing the house. But since he looked young and came on a bike, I figured scaring him straight would be enough For him to decide to head home. I didn't want to ruin a teenager's life by calling the cops straight away. So I went out on the porch, flipped on the lights, and said, Can I help you? And my classroom voice. The guy looked surprised, but not nervous. He was wearing a Letterman style jacket. But once I got a clear view of him in the streetlights, he seemed much older than my granddaughter. More wiry and athletic. Also kind of gruff. He walked up closer to the house and said, yeah, I'm looking for Alyssa. I gave him a disapproving glare, hoping he'd realize he came looking for a girl late at night, and a grumpy old person answered, it's time to split. I'm thinking what must have happened is Alyssa knew her parents were going out of town, and maybe she knew I'd be staying over and told her secret boyfriend to come over. It was late, and I was alone with several kids, so I just didn't want him coming any closer to the house. I also thought that it was weird that he came so late and wanted to be sure Alyssa actually wanted to talk to him. So I said, I'm sorry, who? And he said, Alyssa, you know, Alyssa, and then said her last name. This is her house. I thought, he knew her full name, they must at least be friends. I said, you wait there. He started to walk up, and I felt a sick burning in my gut. My instinct kicked in. I yelled, no, stop, freeze. Then readjusted and said, you stay right there. This is private property. Don't take a step closer. Wait there. So I go in and Alyssa is asleep just one room over from where the rustling first occurred. I wake her up and say something to the effect of, I don't know what the big idea was to have friends over at this time of night, but you tell them to go home. She has no clue what I'm talking about. There's a guy asking for you, I said, confused. She gets up and goes to the window. She sees him she goes white as a sheet. He asked for me? Yeah, by name. Call the police. I've never seen him in my life, she said. I called 911 immediately, but as I was on the phone with them, Alyssa started tugging at my arm. He's coming up, she said. I had younger kids in the house to think about, so I kept the door latched and pulled it open just enough for the latch to hold the door, and yelled, I asked my husband, and none of us know, this Alyssa. Leave my property, or I'm calling 911. He got angry, and started yelling out for her to come. Thankfully, the police came pretty quickly, and when he heard the sirens, he grabbed his bike and ran off. I watched where he was running, and he actually jumped into the passenger side of a car, With the headlights off and no plates, then sped off. I pointed the police in the direction and they followed, but they didn't get him. They advised us to take all of her social media details offline if she was sure that she didn't know this person, and they had a couple similar reports recently and were looking into it. I got a heavy duty lock and she slept in my room for the remainder of the visit. A few days ago, I decided to go to Walmart to pick up a few things. That day, I was wearing a bright dress with sunflowers printed on it. I wore my hair down, which is also a brighter blonde color. As I was shopping, I went down the international aisle to grab some food. As I walked down the aisle, I felt eyes on me. I stood in front of the shelves stocked with different sauces and condiments looking for exactly what I wanted when a guy came so close to me that I had to look at him. The moment we locked eyes, he smiled and said, Hi, how are you? I instantly felt uneasy, so I said nothing. I smiled at him and walked away. There is no particular reason the man made me feel uneasy. He looked fine. He looked like he was in his early to mid thirties, maybe a few inches taller than me, around five foot eight. He had brown hair. His dirty orange cut off shirt and brown boots made me think that he was in construction. But who knows? All I know is that he was weird in a way that I can't put my finger on. After I walked away, I went to the complete opposite end of the store and kept looking around me. He was nowhere to be found for the next 20 minutes or so that I shopped, so I thought I was just overreacting. I started heading towards the checkout area. Once I got to the lines, I saw him standing right next to the refrigerators next to the checkout, staring at me. He had one item in his hand, so after we made eye contact, he walked towards the self-checkout area. I did a 180 and headed for the longest line that I could find, thinking that I could wait him out. It took about 20 minutes to get through the checkout, and I dragged my feet, walking out of the store, making sure that the guy wasn't waiting for me in the store. With him nowhere to be seen, I picked up the pace once I got outside. I started to think maybe I was just being irrational. He wasn't unattractive, he gave off no signs of actually being dangerous. I must be crazy, right? Walking towards my car, I saw a brown workers' truck waiting close to the exit, starting to drive around the parking lot once I stepped out of the store. I didn't think much of this truck at the time because I had thought that the guy had left at that point and just wanted to get to my car because it was raining. I finished packing my trunk when this same truck started to pull through the spot diagonal of mine, slowly inching into the spot right next to my car so that my driver's side was right next to the trucker's driver's side. I heard the guy's voice say, Excuse me, as I opened my car door. I quickly slid in, hoping I could just get away with him thinking that I didn't hear him. I locked the door, turned the car on, and quickly put it into reverse. I started pulling out, but before I could get too far, the brown truck pulled forward and quickly moved diagonally right behind my car so that I couldn't back up without hitting his car entirely. I looked in front of me and realized, with a car in front of me, there was no way ...for me to just drive out of there with no issues. I turned my head and saw that the guy was sitting in his truck with his window rolled down. I decided to roll my window down and asked, "'What's up?' in a hostile tone. He began, "'I just saw you in the store, you know? "'You're absolutely so beautiful. "'I just had to tell you.' "'Oh, thank you,' I said." praying that he didn't get out of his vehicle. I couldn't let myself walk away without asking you for your number so that I can take you out, he told me. I picked up my hand with my wedding ring and told him, I'm married. As he began to respond, I rolled up my window and stared at my steering wheel, waiting for him to move his truck. I couldn't stand to look in his direction because I felt his eyes on me. So after what seemed like the longest minute, I heard him finally move his truck. I peeled out of there in a heartbeat. The guy might've had great intentions. He might've been genuine, but I got a dark, heavy vibe that just didn't sit right with me. So guy from Walmart who blocked me into my spot to ask me out, let's not meet again. In 2016, my sister and I went to India for the summer to visit our grandparents and our other family members that live there. My grandparents live in a multi-story house. However, since they live in the States for months at a time, they rent out the bottom portion of their house. By renting out the bottom portion, they feel at ease knowing that their house is safe and secure. Our tenants moved into the house when I was around six or seven. My family and I go to India frequently, which helped develop a very close relationship with our tenants. They're pretty much like family to us. They're all very sweet people, and out of respect, my siblings and I address them as aunt and uncle. Every time we visit India, my sister and I go shopping, since we're paying close to nothing because of the conversion rates. This one particular evening, we took my aunt with us since she knew everything there was to know about the markets and could help navigate us to the proper shops. We were going to be shopping around for a while, so our uncle told us to let the driver go, and he would pick us up at the market and take us all out for dinner. We obliged, which, as we would later find out, was the worst decision we could have ever made that night. My uncle was running late due to a meeting, and the markets were all closing, so my aunt told him that we would just grab a rickshaw and go home as we were exhausted, and we didn't want to wait. We had been carrying a ton of shopping bags. She told him to meet us at home and that we could get to the restaurant from there. My uncle hesitantly agreed, and we all climbed into the first rickshaw we could find in the busy city. Right from the start, the rickshaw driver gave me very weird vibes, but I ignored my feelings, thinking that it was just me being nervous because I didn't really ride around in rickshaws that much, especially not that late into the night. 9pm doesn't sound like it's too late, but in India, where there are a lot of crimes, especially against women, 9pm is way too late unless you're with male company. We were at a red light when I saw our driver practically eye-rape a woman who was walking past us. I didn't like how he was looking at her, and I alerted my aunt right away, but she said not to worry, and that it would be impossible to find another rickshaw since we were in the busiest part of the city. Our driver then pulled into a gas station because he said he was low on fuel and he had to fill up. A few minutes later, we were back on the road until suddenly the driver turned onto a dark road. Now, to give you a brief description, the area... We were in, has a lot of man-made rivers, and on each side of the river was a one-way street. In order to make a U-turn, you had to drive down for miles and miles before you even see a bridge. The road he turned on was stranded with very few streetlights and no other cars or people in sight. At this point, my aunt started screaming at the driver saying that he was going the wrong way. She told him exactly which road to take in order to get us home. The driver ignored her screams and calmly said, This is a shortcut. Just sit quiet and trust me. The driver then pulls out his phone and makes a call to someone and says, I'm on my way. I'll be there in 30 minutes. At this point, my sister called one of her friends who lived in the area, and my aunt called her husband to alert him what was going on. My sister's friend asked her to describe what exactly she could see around her in order to get a better understanding of where this man was taking us. My sister spotted an abandoned hotel sign and told her friend, who then very calmly said, He's taking you both to South City. There's nothing there. And that is where a lot of crime takes place. Hold tight. I'm on my way. My uncle said the same thing to my aunt. And at this point, the driver was speeding and wouldn't stop. The driver must have not known this route well, or at least as well as he thought, because after what felt like hours of being on that abandoned road, we finally saw lights. We saw an apartment building, and guess what? It was a private building where only police officers resided. As soon as he was driving past the building, we saw some security guards standing outside and started screaming at the top of our lungs, Help us! Please, please help us! This man is trying to kidnap us! The guards heard us, and one of them quickly jumped in his car and came chasing the rickshaw. Once the guard caught up, the driver had no other option but to stop. The guard dragged him by the collar and held him up and shouted, "'What exactly do you think you're doing?' The driver then tried to lie and say, "'I was just dropping them off at home. We were taking a shortcut.'" Right then, my aunt cut the driver off and told the guard exactly where we live and told him that the man took a wrong turn, even though she told him not to. The guard also found a knife on the driver. At this point, he asked us to go sit in his car and wait until he called the cops. Somehow, I'm not completely sure how, but somehow, the driver ran and got back into his rickshaw and started driving off into the dark. At this point, the guard didn't even bother chasing him down because technically the police told him just to wait. He took us back to the apartment building where he worked, and we waited for our uncle and my sister's friend to come and get us. Once they got there, my uncle freaked out. We got back in the car with him and back on the road that the rickshaw driver was taking us down. As I said, you have to drive miles before you see a bridge to make a U-turn. We drove for so long without seeing any sign of life. The long road leading to nowhere had me thinking of every possible outcome of the night had it not been for the security guard who saved us. A few weeks later, we heard on the news that some girl and her sister were raped and murdered in the exact area where the rickshaw driver was taking us. To think that new story could have been about us weird rickshaw driver and his creepy intentions let's never meet thank you for listening to this week's episode of let's not meet this week you have heard he broke her jaw by no way ross three stalked by a random dude everything goes wrong for him by Mercy12367. He asked for me by name. Yes, call 911. I've never seen him in my life by Ligamentary. Walmart Guy Won't Let Me Leave by Anxiety Ridden. And finally, The Rickshaw Driver by a listener who asked to remain anonymous. For the patrons out there supporting me, don't forget to check your feed for the bonus episode this week. And if you'd like to support the show, head to patreon.com forward slash let's not meet podcast. If you'd like to submit a story to be heard on the show, Email that story to let's not meet stories at gmail.com. And if you got any questions, as always, email me at let's not meet podcast at gmail.com. I'll see you guys next week for a brand new episode of Let's Not Meet. If you have thyroid eye disease and the pain in the back of your eye is forcing bad words from your mouth, it might be time to discover another treatment option. To learn more, visit TreatMyTed.com. That's TreatMyTed.com.